Good morning, South Point family. How's everybody doing? Yeah, well, how about that? Uh, welcome back, everybody from Fall Retreats. It's super exciting. Glad y'all are back. Y'all can squeeze another chair in down there if you need to. Hey, uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. This is a great series that we're in. It's not just because I'm preaching it, okay? It's all out of the Bible. It's good stuff. It's called clickbait. How many of you knows what clickbait is online, right? On the internet, right? That, those algorithms, those programs behind the scenes, like while you're surfing the internet, they're figuring out what you like. You know, if you like shoes or if you like cars or whatever it is, they put those ads there for you to click on pull you that way. They want, they want your money, they want your attention, all that kind of stuff. And this series, what we're doing is we're talking about a, the different side of uh, clickbait. We're talking about the, the spiritual side and, and sometimes the physical side of clickbait, the things in our life. How many know that the devil knows us also? Like It's like he watches us. And really, I think when it comes down to it, that we're all the same. Like people are just people. And he knows the things that tempt us. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've, we haven't really talked about specific sins, so to speak. But we, you know, like last week, we talked about the umbrellas of those things that pull us down. The lust of the eyes, which is our possessions. The lust of the flesh, which is our passions. And the pride of life, as those verses say. Pride of life is our positions in life. You know, the, the ego, that kind of stuff. But today we're going to talk about something a little different. I'm not talking about those things. We're going to talk about a big word in our lives called distraction. Yeah, I'm just looking to see whose face changes, who I can preach to for the rest of the message today. Um, I love this message today because it's not, it's, it's not from me, man. This is totally from God. What, ha- what has happened in the book of Nehemiah, what happens is you get to see a regular guy, a regular ordinary person, and he's actually less than that because he's a Jew that has been captured out of Jerusalem by the Persians, all right? The Persians came in beat up the city, tore it down. They've captured him. And he is now the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. There are movies and stuff that King Artaxerxes is in. He was a bad guy. He was a, a Persian. He was a pagan king. So Nehemiah is his cupbearer. He's the guy that like brings him the cup. I don't know if he tastes it or what, but he's the guy that takes care of his drinks. You know, like, hey, sweet tea, pronto, like that. And he'll run you a sweet tea in there. Wouldn't everybody like to have a cupbearer? Yeah, so like gallon of Dr. Pepper now, you know, and it comes running in. That's something I'm sure is what he did. But what happens is he hears that now Babylon has also gone in and demolished the city of Jerusalem. That's, that's God's city. That's where David lived. That's where God's people lived. And he also heard that the Babylonians tore down the wall. They beat the wall down. So now that the city of Jerusalem doesn't have any protection, and that's the way the big cities did back then. They had a wall around them that helped protect them from bad guys. And not only do they not have a wall, but these surrounding communities, now that they've been devastated, are really taking advantage of them. So it's, it's a whole bad thing. Nehemiah hears about it. He approaches the king and says, Hey, king, can I get some time off? I, I, I want to go back. Um, my city's laying in ruins. I want to go back and build the wall so that they, they can have some protection, some encouragement in their life. And the story of Nehemiah, he goes back the first five chapters. He gets to build the wall. He's, it's incredible the way he comes in and he organizes and gets the community together and different families and different tribes of people and all this, organizes it, constructs it, gets the wall built. And then we pick up in chapter 6, which is chapter 6 gives us the mind game 
of building the wall. And we get to see the, the art of distraction fought in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. And that's what I want to talk about today. And how many of you know that when you're really pushing, like all of our students did that come from Fall Street, when you're really pushing in your faith, when you're trying to grow in your faith, how many of you know when the faith gets turned up, so does the opposition? The, the junk against you gets turned up. You know what I mean? Like the, the trouble in your life. You know, I can't, uh, twice in the last week, I've heard two different people, spiritual people, come to me and go, man, can I tell you, when it rains, it pours. Because they're, they're pushing spiritually. They're trying to grow spiritually. And it seems like three or four just crazy things have happened in their life. And that's exactly the enemy. The enemy does that in our life. The devil is real. The Bible says that he's a, like a roaring lion is the way Jesus puts it. He's like a lion. He's kind of like creeping around and he's just looking for somebody to devour is what he says. And so we have to be aware that, you know what, if the enemy can't destroy us, because most everybody in this room has chosen to live for Christ. And if he can't destroy you, this is the foundation of this message today, he will try to distract you. Have you ever heard of Paul Harvey? This dates me bad, but when I was growing up, there was a radio host called Paul Harvey, and he would come on and do all different kinds throughout the years he did shows. But when he got toward the end of his life, he got a lot more courageous online. And he was a Christian, and he would talk about his faith online. Like, he was national. He was on all radio stations uh, around the country. And one of the last ones, I don't know if you ever heard this one, but it was about a 10-minute speech, and you can still go on YouTube and listen to it today. But he talked about, if I was the devil, that's the name of it, if I was the devil. And he just talks about his faith and he said here's what I would do if I was the devil I would get good at distractions that's the whole speech it talks about how what, what can happen is we think because I choose Christ and then it's over and or, or somebody has misled us and said hey, man when you choose Jesus it's going to be a, a road of roses and everything turns out great because God is for you and if God is for you then who can be against you right how many of you know that is not exactly how that flows? Right? The, the devil comes at you, and if he can't beat you because you've already chose Christ, then what he's going to do, he's going to try to distract you and help you to not fulfill what God's called you to in life. And so here, here's Nehemiah, and the reason I want to read this story to you, we're going to read 16 and a half chapters of, of Scripture today. Isn't that exciting? Probably not that much, but we're going to read a bunch today. And the reason is I want you to read this story. I want you to hear this story. Because distractions are going to pull you away for the rest of your life. They're going to come at you and try to, hey, man, you're doing good. Let's go this way and get off track a little bit. And what I'm hoping today is what I, why I believe God put this in the Bible. Because the first five chapters are the how he did it. And chapter six is the mind game that went on behind the scenes. That's the important part for us. That I hope that when the distractions come... And there's a detour in the road and you look up a month or six months or five years later and you go, man, I'm off track. I need to be back where I need to be. That this story comes to mind and you flip over to Nehemiah chapter six and probably 10 minutes read the whole thing and you get to understand, you know what? You're in good company. And if you'll focus and get back on track, God will help you to avoid distractions. How about that? Are y'all ready for that? Something useful, practical in life? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, let's start with Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. All right, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall. This is Nehemiah talking, and had no gaps, and no gaps remained, though we had not yet set the doors in the gates. 
So, Seddon, Ballant, and Gasham sent a message, they texted him, asking me to meet them at, at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. So let me just say this. this is not in your notes. This is just a professional tip, okay? Don't ever meet your enemies in any place called Oh No. <laughs> all right, did y'all write that down? All right, that, that'll get retweeted a bunch today, all right? My mind, I don't know about it. Verse 2, let's keep reading. But, so it says this in verse 2, but I realized, and let me just take a time out for a minute. You ever, you ever wonder why it pays off being an older Christian? It's because of that right there. But I realized. You see, like when I became, I became a Christian in college, and when I became a Christian in college, it was like I felt like I was constantly walking through a landmine. Like my life last month, which was very non-godly, like I was still tempted with all of those things, right? But the longer that I'm living for Christ, the better I'm starting to understand his voice. You know what I mean? When he says, hey, th that's good for you in your life. Do this. Or that's not good for you in your life. Don't do that. Like I'm starting to, you know, 10 years later and 15 years later, I'm starting to understand that there is a Holy Spirit living in me. That's that deposit from heaven that Jesus talks about that, that is going to guide me in life. And when I read this verse, and, and this, little, this little, but I realize there are things like that all through Scripture. And when I read that, I think, thank you, God, that you have not given up on us. No matter what we've done, you've not given up on us. You still help us realize the clickbait of the devil in our lives. Isn't that good? Like, but I realize. You don't, want, you don't want to know why David in Psalms wrote that God's word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet? You know, because he kept trying to live by it. And he started saying, man, if I follow God's ways, I seem to be in a lot less trouble. Genius. But he realized, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, as you grow in your faith, even if the opposition's turned up, understand that you get better at it. It's like, it's like any sport. The more you practice, the better you get at it. So he keeps going. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So that's the, that's the point of this whole story is how he figures out what does he do about the distractions. He keeps going. So I replied by sending this message to them. I engaged, I'm engaged in a great work. Everybody say great work. That's, it. That's important for you to understand. We're going we're gonna to keep going. That's, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. Let, let me just tell you, the sooner the better if you realize, if you realize that you are called to a great work in this world. How many believe that, that I'm called to a great work? All right, like 12 of us. All right, the rest of you, this message is just for you today. You are called. Let me go back. I skipped a, I skipped a verse because after preaching at the first service, I'm going to go back to Ephesians 2. After preaching at the first service, I thought, man, I should have done that here. But I, I want to read you this. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it says this about you. For we are God's masterpiece. Pause there for a minute. You know this is going to be a long message when I come back and I pause every three words. You know how it is. We are God's masterpiece. Think about this for a minute. Paul is in prison. He's writing to a church of believers. He is trying to, he's only got so many words that he can write. He's trying to get the biggest points across. He's trying to help us understand important spiritual truths. And he says, hold on a minute. 
out of everything God's created. He created the heavens and the earth. He created light and darkness, separated that darkness. He created the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals on the land. He created the sun and the moon and the universe and the galaxies and all of these things. And out of all of that, you know what he calls this masterpiece? You. You. I'm so excited for our, our Christmas series because I've been working on it for months. And it's just so amazing that God would create heaven and earth and then pass that off to us and go, I'm giving it to you. Now I'm going to be back a couple of times through Jesus, through other things we read about the end of time. We get to see those incredible things. But God has given his creation to you, his masterpiece. And can I just let that settle in you for a minute? Because I know... Depending on how you were raised, the stuff that you've been through, sometimes our egos take a blow, man. And we just can't figure out why God would ever create somebody like me. And I've been through times like that. I think most people have been through times like that, if not several. But I want you to take something with you. That no matter what happens in life, no matter what direction you go, you were created as God's masterpiece. Amen? That is so important for us. You were created as God's masterpiece. So we're, we're going to keep reading that. He created us new in Christ. So here's the why. So we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. Isn't that great? Like before you were born, God knew what gifts he was going to give you, what abilities he was going to give you, the time frame he was going to give you, the place in the world he was going to put you, the family, the neighborhood, the school, the career, the opportunities. And out of all of that, he said, you're my masterpiece, and I've given you things to go do. Go do it. That's why it's so important for us to avoid distractions in life. It's super easy to look up in this busy world and go, man, it's been six months since I've, since I've read my Bible. It's been two weeks since I've ever talked to God. Sometimes it takes a bad event to get us back closer to God because we've been distracted. And when we read this today, I want you to see that the enemy wants to distract you. And God says, learn a little bit from Nehemiah. That's the reason I think he put it in there. Learn a, bit, a little bit from Nehemiah. And this chapter can make you as successful as any other chapter in the Bible. Just to learn to get rid of distractions in life. Let's, let's keep going. So, the second thing is, you're called to do a great work. But right after that, what did, what did Nehemiah say? When he said, four times they sent me the same message, and each time I replied the same way. Let me tell you one of the greatest things that you can develop in your life. Develop the ability to say no. Oh, it's so good. Would it have... Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Y'all with me on this? I'm excited about this message. Would it have been maybe a good thing to go meet with his enemies and see if he could squelch some of the junk going on, some of the talk that was going on behind the scenes? It, it may have been a good thing. But what did God call him to do first? The wall. You know, like, I have a primary purpose in life. And here's what's great. You know what's awesome about this? This, this ordinary guy, he, he's, he's just building a wall. And so many times when you hear messages preached, it's about you doing God's will in church. I've heard those messages. It's about you, man, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this. Can I tell you what you first and foremost need to be doing? Living for God. If, if you're pursuing God, everything else is going to work out. It may not be all roses, 
but you will be confident while you're there that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. In fact, I tell people, listen for God, because sometimes you get to an area in your life, and the only thing that's good about it is I know God sent me here. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I know God sent me here. Do you think Moses in the middle of the desert goes, thank you, Lord, I'm right in the middle of your will. But he knew God called him right there. Like the safest place to be, no matter what's going on, is right where God's called you to be. So if, whether you're building a wall, stay focused and follow God, right? Just live out your faith there. Whether it's at the hospital and you're walking the halls helping people, live out your faith there. I'm not saying you got to like pull up a bucket every 30 minutes and give a message. I'm just saying be who God created you to be. Allow them to see Christ shining in you, whether it's at the warehouse and you're breaking down freight, whether it's at school between classes or in class or on the, on the, on the ball field, whatever that's at. Realize that you're called to a great work in life and don't let pretenders distract you. Amen? Yeah. Let's keep going. I'm, I'm preached too much. So Nehemiah 5, or chapter 6, verse 5 starts like this. The fifth time, Sanballat's servants came to me, came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it says. So you notice they're changing their tactics here. Quote, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. Don't you love rumors? Can I tell you that rumors are several things. One, they're usually the second attempt. They're not the first attempt because they've already tried to meet with him five times, right? And he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm staying focused. And then they have to create, they have to make up some junk and they're going to attack the motive behind it. Really, you're just doing this so you can rebel, right? There's no, there's no good in you for doing that. You're not really building this for the people. You're doing this so y'all could fight against us. He's starting rumors. And let me just say this and I'm going to move on. You will never accomplish big things if you allow rumors from small people to distract you. It, can I tell you from that from experience? When we came to South Point, it was, it was a huge change. It was a very traditional church that hadn't seen people saved in years. And it, and it actually broke my heart as we changed it and flipped the church totally to, to have ministry that changes people's lives and pours into young people and, and, and helps children and teenagers and all those things that hadn't been done in a long time. It, it killed me to see people leave and tell me that the reason we're leaving is because of what you're doing. What? But God called me here. How could that be the reason? You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it'll break your heart. because and Some people you've known for years, years, I love them. Why, why would you leave? Like We're seeing people saved. And whatever the reason was behind that, I'm just telling you, sometimes it's very difficult. And the rumors can go right to the motive of your heart. And I would, I would question myself. I would wonder how come and why and pray and ask God all these things. And then it boiled down to, okay, Scott, what's the, what's the last thing you heard from me? Well, I already know that. I've answered that 412 times. It's to carry this out. It's to do what the board and some leaders in the church and what we, the staff, believe that we're supposed to be doing to reach people. And man, can I just tell you, those first couple of years were hard. Hard. Look at your neighbor and go, Hard. It's hard, harder than I thought. I don't know if I'd do it again because I was young and dumb following Jesus. But can I tell you something else? September 2019, we had the largest single month attendance of any 
month in the history of our church ever. And some people say, were you just in it for attendance? Absolutely, 100%. You know why? Because every one of those little counts, those little marks, that's a human being. That's a family. That's a soul. That's a person. I'm totally in it for the attendance. I'm not in it for the, the coffee. I'm not in it for the events. I'm not in it for the luxurious office space. I'm not in it for any of that. I'm in it for people, period. And can I tell you, when you turn up your faith and the distractions come and that doesn't work, and then they're going to start some rumors. And can I tell you, sometimes those are the worst because they come right at you, right at the person, your motives. And you have to go, Scott, go check yourself, which is really good for yourself, but you got to go check yourself. Stay in line with what God's calling you to do. Don't step out of that and keep moving forward because I'm looking for the completion of that wall. Can I tell you that? Let's keep going. Verse 8. I replied, remember this is to the rumors. I replied, there is no truth to any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. They're just trying to intimidate us, imagining that we would be, that, that could discourage us and stop the work. But how do we reply? Here we go. This is so good. How do we reply in our life? Like just practically, how do we reply to lies and rumors and distractions? Look at what he says. So I continue to work with even greater determination. Oh, y'all missed a great spot to amen there, but save it. There'll be some others, all right? But listen, that's good stuff. So how do I respond? God didn't call fire down from heaven. I mean, there's not angels and chariots showing up to back me up, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to go back to my Bible. I'm going to go back to praying more. I'm going to go back to talking to God throughout the day. I'm going to get some mentors in my life. Like, I'm going to go back to what will feed me to do what God's called me to do. Amen? That, that's your next point. Point number four, when distractions get turned up, you buckle down. Anybody ever heard that saying, buckle down? Oh, I remember my dad saying, you better buckle down. Like that when, when I was a kid, I was like, all right, dad, what does buckle down mean? Because I was thinking, does this involve a whipping? Because I felt the buckle before. No bueno, no moss. You know, I don't want that anymore. And he said, no, what it means is like when you're working hard and your pants get loose or something like that, you'd have to take up a notch. You just got to buckle down and finish it up. And I was like, okay, I like that mentality. I appreciate not being a spanking. All right, move on. But, but that has stuck with me. I say that all the time. You know what? When, when things get turned up in my life, you know what I have to do? What I have found? There's no magic answer. There's not like, well, I'm going to go pray three times this hour and God's going to fix this solution. No. What I have to do is I have to buckle down. And what's great is I read all through Scripture. M mega men and women of the Bible. Moses. Pharaoh comes at him. You know what he does? Everybody say it. He buckled down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deborah. Oh, you need to go read the Deborah story today. They didn't have a commander for the army of Israel. And Deborah said, I'll lead. Women couldn't own property. Women couldn't go to school. They couldn't walk into the temple. Deborah said, I'll lead. And you know what the priest said? Bingo, you're it. You're the commander of God's army. You buckle down. When things happen in life, everybody say this. Say, don't quit, don't quit. and buckle down. You know why? Because all these men and women, great men and women that got throughout Scripture, when we read about them, did they have troubles? Absolutely. Did people try to kill them? Absolutely. Did they struggle with the people they were actually trying to help? Absolutely. But what did they do in response? They buckled down in the way that would help them live out what God called them to live. Yeah. 
Thank you, Nehemiah. Thank you for chapter 6. And we don't just get the building of the wall, but we get the mind game that went on, the the struggle, the emotions that went on too. And I get to see, how do you respond to all that, Nehemiah? Do you just go recruit some soldiers and go wipe those bad guys out? No, because I'm trying to live for God, right? The kid that's bullying me, do I just want to like, yes, I feel it. It would feel good watching him go to sleep and taunt him a little bit, you know, throw up some OU, something like that. I don't know what you, what you do in that situation, but you know what I'm saying? Like the flesh says, here's how you handle that. And you go, you know, don't, don't distract me. Don't distract me. I am living for God. So good. Verse 10, let's wrap this up. Verse 10 says, later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of a prophet. I want you to get this. this is so important. Meta had the better, better, whatever his name is. He's, he's a prophet. <laughs> Sorry. He's a prophet that times past, God has called upon him to speak life into God's people. But he's homebound, probably injured, probably hurt. And listen to what happens here. Who was confined to his home and it says, he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and, and bolt the doors, you know, because your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, I would love for it to say, but I recognize like he said before, but I want you to see that same thing. But I replied, I didn't fall for it. Hold on, hold on. You mean you said no to the prophet? You mean Scott asked you if you could be a greeter today and you said no? Can I, can I tell you something, be real honest with you? As, as a pastoral staff, we constantly, we're working with volunteers. The entire staff of the church, all but like six, are all volunteers. All the kids workers back there, the youth leaders, board members, tech workers, the band, all of those are volunteers. And it's super difficult to lead volunteers. You have to lead them different than paid people. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole different thing there. And when we ask somebody, like, hey, man, would you fill in in this spot? Would you do this? I love it when people go, I'll do anything you ask, Pastor. Y'all write that down. down. I love that. But you know what I like just as much? When people go, man, I don't know if I'm really called to that. I'd rather stay in my lane. You know your lane. Can I tell you, as a pastor leading us, all of us, like we're, we're all in this together, the greatest benefit for you in this life is going, this is my lane. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get distracted. This is what God created me for. You know, this job, this ministry, whatever, it, whatever that is. He goes on, but I replied, should someone in my position run? Run from danger. Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Senlot had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. They would be able, then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Whew. He told the prophet No. Listen, listen, I, I didn't come here to build a name for myself. I came here to build a wall, right? Right? I, I, I'm not worried about what's going to happen. My goal is to follow God and let God sort out the rest. Amen? That, that's my purpose in life. At 11 years old, at 25 years old, at 75 years old, that's my purpose in life is to follow God, let him work out the rest. But how do you build up the guts to say no to the prophet? Oh, I want y'all to see this. 
Remember in the first, pa- the first passage we read? Hey, man, here's some letters, five of them. We need you to come meet with us now. And what did he say five times in a row? No, I, God's called me to this. He's, he's practicing what he believes. You understand that? Over time number two, and then letter number three, and then letter number four, and then he emailed, and then he texted, and then he posted junk online. I mean, like, he's learning to say no, no, no to distractions in life. And then they come back with him. So the letters didn't work. The emails, text didn't work. So they come back and go, man, have you seen what John posted on Snapchat? Ooh, he's making up rumors about you. And they started rumors on him. And they go, you really need to come over here and work this out because these rumors are bad. They're, they're checking your motives on this. It's not a really a cool thing. And, the, and he, he's building up to this. Do you get that? He's building up his spiritual muscles, his mental muscles. And he's saying, nope, not going to do that. Nope, I'm not going to do that. And then it comes down to uh, how, many, how many months is this later, weeks or days is this later? He's trying to live for God. And it comes down to the prophet, the, the spiritual leader of Jerusalem goes, hey, man, you need to come with me. And we're going to get in the temple and do this and that. And he says, no, I, I'm, I'm an ordinary guy. I can't enter the temple anyways. Why would you have me break a rule and step out of God's will? No, I'm not going to do that because you're looking for a way to discredit me. Like, here's the last point, and I want you to get this. Understand that buckling down breeds confidence in your life. The little bit of buckling down at first when he goes, I'm not going to be distracted. Just keep doing my job. I don't know what else to do. I'm just ignoring these emails. Put them in the junk box. You know what I mean? Just like, get get past this. That's building up a little confidence. Hey, that worked. I didn't get in trouble. Didn't nobody kill me? Anything like that? They come with the rumors. Oh, the rumors really bother me and I stress out about it. But you know what? I went and prayed about it. This is just a bunch of junk. They're trying to distract me from this. I'm not going to do it. It builds up a little more confidence. And then it comes along where even somebody spiritual, a spiritual mentor of his says, hey, you need to go in the wrong direction. And by this time, they built up the confidence to go, no, God has called me to do this in life. And I'm only doing this until it's done. Isn't that so good? You get this mind view of what Nehemiah is doing. That Nehemiah is struggling just like us. He's going through the junk. I mean, the, the letters are the way we would communicate. Emails, texts, social media, all that. Then they start rumors about him. And then it's his spiritual mentor comes in. Last couple of verses. Verse 14. Remember, oh God. I love this. All the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done. And even remember Noadiah, the prophet and all the prophets, like her who have tried to intimidate me. Pause there just for a second. You notice he didn't say, and give me the opportunity to kill all those suckers. Give me some revenge. Lord, I did good. Let me kick their tail. Two sentences. He says, hey, Lord, revenge is like poison. I don't want it. You take it. It's a distraction. I don't want it. You take it. It causes me to die. I don't want it. You take it. Isn't that so good? I mean, not only is he trying to follow God, but he realizes, remember, revenge is just going to set me back. Thinking about how I can get even with these spiritual people, these other leaders. No, not on my watch. I'm just going to follow you, God. And then he says, one of the coolest verses, verse 15. So on October 2nd, The wall was finished just 52 days after it had begun. Check this out. Ordinary guy. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a a king. He wasn't a warrior. During these 52 days, which is pretty incredible. You ought to read the first five chapters. It's pretty incredible. But during these 52 days, there was not one miracle. 
Nobody showed up with a, with a happy meal and like made, like pulled the happy meals out and giving it to everybody. Didn't happen. No talking donkeys. No fire from heaven. Nobody parted the Red Sea. Just, just like us. Isn't that good? Man, it's, it's always interesting to read one of these incredible stories and you go, yeah, but God parted the Red Sea. God did this miracle in, in amongst them. Of course they would follow, right? Have you ever done that? Is that just me? Just me, okay. God is saying, he did it by following me. He worked out distractions, said no to rumors, and said yes to following what I called him to do. And listen to the very last verse. Y'all ready? When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. And here's why. Because they realized the work had been done with the help of God. Can I tell you the coolest thing for anybody to ever say about you? The only way they got through that was with God's help. Oh yes, that is so true. When, when, when I became a Christian in college, there were five youth leaders. I, was, I became one of them to help out with this little youth group of about 20 we had. The youth pastor moves off a few months later, three months later, I think, and um, they asked some of the youth leaders, hey, well, what, will y'all rotate speaking? Me and Jenny ended up being the only two that would to, to do that. And a couple of months later, the pastor even said, hey, will you speak on a Sunday night? Ask me to speak on a Sunday night. I'm like five months old spiritually. I mean, I've read like two books of the Bible. I don't, I, I don't know anything. I know who Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are. That's the only three things that I could say. Okay, I'm familiar with that. I preached the Sunday night. Don't remember what it was. Don't remember changed anybody's lives. There's about 80 to 100 people in the room, little, little church. And afterwards, one of our old senior saints in her 80s, she came up to me. She goes, Scott, that message was so good. I know it was God because you're not that smart. So I foot sweeped her and took her to the ground. It was hilarious to me also. I was like, what? No, it, she, I knew exactly what she meant. I knew, like it was actually probably one of the highlights of my first year being a Christian. Because I was thinking that's exactly, I've struggled so hard not following me for the last five months. My old habits, my old ways, all the distractions. People knocking on my door at 10 o'clock Friday night. Let's go. Let's go, Morris. Come on. I can't. I want to, but I can't. I can't be distracted by that because this is what God's calling me to, to live for him. Whatever else happens is great, but he's calling me to live for him. First and foremost, that's how I'm counting on the big problem that's going to happen in five years or 10 years or 15 years. I'm counting on me living for him until then to be able to help me realize what I should do. You understand? And so even though that was like hilarious and the people around me laughed, that was like the greatest compliment I could have ever got. Can I tell you the greatest compliment you'll ever get is for you to get through a season in your life and people go, I'm so proud of you because I can see what God is doing in your life. I can see where you've taken steps and maybe even had fell and bust your knees a few times, made some mistakes. That's great. We're in this for the long haul, not for three and a half weeks, right? We're in this for the long haul. It's the reason God gave us 70 or 80, 90 years. So you can get this thing right. But it's not going to happen unless you cut out distractions and focus on the main thing, on walking with Him. My prayer for this message is to give you a story that has so much in it. Man, I, I would read more than chapter 6. Chapter 6 is great. 
But I, I would read the first five chapters to see the incredible gifts of organization, community involvement, construction, follow through, all these things that God gave Nehemiah, who was a cup bearer. But when he was faithful, he was faithful, he was faithful, he was faithful, and then God opened the door and said, would you like to go build a wall? And that faithfulness bred confidence and bred a resilience to allow him in 52 days with no miracles to accomplish an incredible feat that began the turnaround of the city of Jerusalem, the people of God. I wanna pray today, whatever stage of life you're in, kid, teenager, college, young adult, single, married, older, whatever that is, that God would help us from this point forward to say no to distractions, to be able to see them. Oh no, that's just a distraction. Oh no, no, why should I go do that? Just like Nehemiah did. And that he would turn us away from those and toward him every time. Can we do that? Before we pray, think about those things. If you have something in your life right now, this is a distraction. My busyness, my friend, this opportunity in life, this hobby, this habit. And let's say, you know what, Lord? I understand what Nehemiah did. I want to follow that. And I want to put you first, move the distractions out. Let's just give that to him today. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. So thankful that your word, it, it really illustrates so many spiritual principles in our life and very practical things. So thankful that you allow us to have time to learn, that you're patient with us, you love us, you care for us. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room today. We all have things from time to time that distract us, that keep us busy, whether it's our phone, our homework, a project at work, our, our school, whatever that is. Lord, I pray today that we would just surrender distractions in our life and that we would focus once again on what you've called us to do, to live for you, to live out our faith at work, at home, in our hobbies, at school, wherever that's at when people are watching, when people are not watching, to live out our faith and that you would help us realize as the distractions come and give us the courage and the confidence to buckle down and work with even a greater determination. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. While your eyes are still closed, let me, let me pray one more prayer. When nobody's looking around and man, it's just you thinking about you. There may be somebody in here today that you've never made that decision to say, you know what, I'm surrendering my life, my future, my plans. I'm gonna surrender that to God. I don't know how it all works yet, but I'm gonna learn. It's exactly the spot I was in 26 years ago. If that's you today and you say, hey, um, I'm ready. It's time and I'm ready to open up my heart, my life and let Jesus come in and be my leader, be my savior, be my best friend then I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand or, or come down front. I believe that God can do a miraculous work right there where you sit. But here's the, what has to happen. It has to be your choice. So if that's you and you say, today's the day, while I pray, you just tell him with your own mouth, your own words, your own thoughts, say, Lord, that's me. Today I surrender to you. Can we do that? Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your love for us. And no doubt there are a few people in this room that are just kicking the tires on faith. They're just checking out church. They're just in it for friends or family. 
But Lord, I pray that today you would speak to their heart, that you would show them that you have plans for them, that you actually have a a good work in their life planned, a great work. And that where they're at right now is just a distraction from your ultimate will for their life to live for you. If they're ready today, I pray that they would open up their heart, open up their mouth and tell you, come into my life, teach me your ways, be my Lord, my Savior. Just forgive me of my past and help me to learn about you in my future. Lord, I pray for every one of them today that you'd teach them your ways and give them a real hunger to know you because our desire is to love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. In your name we pray, amen, 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 amen. Yeah, let's show a little love to those that made that decision.